Welcome in to Tapping the Keg Daily, the daily version of Tapping the Keg, hosted by myself, Charlie, uh, who you guys all know, uh, this used to be called The Daily Tap. It is taking on a new name. Uh, we are going to talk about expectations for the Wisconsin Badgers, what's fair, what's foul. We'll get into that. We're also going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. A lot of news happened uh, for the Bucks. Giannis not playing in the World Cup. The Bucks playing on Christmas. We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the Green Bay Packers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Kind of things to watch, things we're thinking about. Uh, but for that first preseason game, maybe a little bit of Brewers-White Sox at the very end of today's show. A sportsy Friday. Sometimes you can hang loose on Friday, but today is not one of those days. Uh, before we get going, just a reminder uh, to follow us on social media, uh, Tapping the Keg on Twitter, Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, TikTok, as well as Facebook. Speaking of TikTok, we had a Jordan Love uh, video clip go viral for us. Uh, really great. If you guys are joining us from that, uh, welcome. Uh, we're happy to have you. You should know we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're wherever else you get your podcast. Overcast, we see a lot of people coming through. Uh, Google, uh, wherever you guys listen to your podcast, we are there for you. If we are not, you hit me up on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, whatever it may be. I'll get make sure that there is an RSS for you. We did post one of our podcasts on TikTok, uh, hopefully posting more uh, as we get more comfortable with how it, how it kind of works um, and excited to kind of share out that um, and hope you guys check that feature out from TikTok as well. Okay, let's get into today's show and talk about expectations for the Wisconsin Badgers. The Wisconsin Badgers are starting a new era of football and in a lot of ways, right? Uh, there is no semblance of Barry Alvarez. Um, he's still there, right? But it, it's not part of the Barry Alvarez trait. We saw this with Gary Anderson years ago, and it was a colossal pump dumpster fire. Uh, it, it did not work. Gary Anderson did not really adhere to what Wisconsin football meant and what Wisconsin was all about. The Wisconsin Badgers did not necessarily go back to the well and hire a Anderson-like guy. They hired Luke Fickle, arguably one of the best coaches in college football of the last 10 years. And, and, and maybe that's a bit hyperbole, but if you think about what Luke Fickle built at Cincinnati, the players that he got to play for him, it, he is he's a really good coach. And the fact that Fickle decided to step up and take the Wisconsin job versus turning down Notre Dame year, a couple years ago, uh, it, it's something special. It's something to admire. It's something to, I think, hold pride uh, if you're a Badger fan that Luke Fickle wants to be here. And with sort of the prominence and the pomp and circumstance that Fickle brings, there's expectations. There are people that are expecting Luke Fickle to win football games and bring the Badgers back to being in the conversation for not only a playoff, but a national championship. It's not as similar as I think I thought it was this summer with Shaka Smart and Marquette, right? Uh, where Shaka comes into Marquette, he's ready to make an impact. Uh, Marquette had been down in the dumps and Shaka starts slowly but surely reviving the program. Now, 
Shaka and Luke's approach are different, right? Uh, Smart's very much about building the team within. Uh, Fickle dipped heavily into the transfer portal and basically kind of rebuilt this roster quick. And what sort of has been the way to do it in college football these days is you can kind of have that quick turnaround with the transfer portal. And then after that transfer portal stuff is set, you then start going into high school and start building your recruiting class. And the Badgers have one of their best recruiting classes of, of their his, history since, you know, things have been counted like that. And I think it's like the mid-90s, right? So it seems like Fickle has already checked those two boxes. So you can imagine that Badger fans are excited. Badger fans are fired up for this new era. And and that's where we get come in with the expectations about what's fair and, and what necessarily is unfair. And, and I think unfair is actually easier to talk about. Usually I'm more on the like, let's talk positive here. But I, I think unfair is actually easier to talk about because I think it's unfair to expect a playoff appearance from, from this team. I, I know that this is a solid Badger team. I know Tanner Mordecai is on a lot of watch lists. Braylon Allen on a lot of watch lists. Uh, they, they have a lot of good, good talent on this roster. But let's be 100% honest here. They are not at the level that Michigan's at. Michigan is very fucking good this year. Uh, Ohio State is good. I don't know if they're as good as Michigan. And Penn State's really good. Now, Penn State has a rookie uh, freshman quarterback, but I think he's a freshman, Drew Allard. I, he might even be a sophomore. Regardless, he there the hype around him is absurd. It's crazy. Uh, they expect big things out of Drew Allard. But the question is, is can he deliver that, right? Um, but if he does, like Penn State has everything else. They have the offensive line. They have the defensive line. And so the question is, is like, can Wisconsin be at that level this year? I don't think so. And that's not a knock on Wisconsin at all, right? Like that, I mean, those teams have built to this, right? Like Wisconsin is trying to do it very quickly. And if, you know, all the transfer portal guys, you know, hit, and, and that to me, that's a wild, like that's again, another unfair expectation to expect every guy that you brought into the portal to be, you know, better than what Wisconsin had last year. I think that's, that's highly unrealistic. But to, to be at that level of Ohio State, Michigan, and this year Penn State, you know, I which Penn State not, is not always there, I think is, you know, a bit egregious. Like, I, I think that if you feel that way, you got to tone it down a little bit, right? Uh, Badgers do have an easy schedule. I will say that. I, I think that plays into maybe where you could point it out and be like, all right, well, Wisconsin could easily be, you know, one loss heading into the Big Ten title game against either Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State. Yes, that's that's possible, but I, I don't see it, right? Like, I, I just think that, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time. It's not going to necessarily be like, you know, running rump shot over the entire Big Ten. You know, Wisconsin is eight and a half as their win total this year, which I, I like the over and, and a lot of people do. It's a minus 155 right now. So like, I, I do think they can go over that total, but I also don't think like you should bet them to win like 11 games. Like I think that would be ridiculous. And and I think that's kind of highly on it. Not, not necessarily like realistic. And, and I, I go back to that word because it's, I, I just think when 
new coaches come in, and, and we'll probably have to have the same conversation about Adrian Griffin and the Bucks. Is you just expect like everything's fixed, everything is you know all the problems that you had in years past have gone away, and to me that's just that that's not necessarily going to just immediately be fixed. Yes, the transfer portal guys are going to help. They're going to you know look like a more competent football team. They might look like a breath of fresh air compared to what we saw with Paul Chris the last couple of years. But still, I'm not ready to just throw all my eggs and be like, yeah, this team is going to compete for the college football playoff this season. I think next year to me is the year where you start saying, all right, not only is it a bit of transfer portal, you're starting to buy into fickle system. You're starting to see, you know, the turnaround happen here in real time. And that's the year. And going back to the shock smart example, which probably makes some Badger football fans cringe or Badger fans in general cringe, but it's true. It it, it has some semblance in, in my opinion. Shaka's year two was a absolute firecracker. And it was this sort of awakening of Marquette basketball. And Marquette basketball was back to what I think a lot of us, including myself, felt like it it had been in the early aughts and we were all, you know, just ready to early 2010s, not aughts, but like that, that West Matthews, Drell McNeil, Dominic James years like that, Jay Crowder, Jim Bell, like that's how it felt, right? And that was the excitement that we had. And I cannot wait for Marquette basketball this year. Like I'm so excited for that season to start in November because they're going to be a top 10 team out the box. And so if we go back to Wisconsin, next year should be the year where we start seeing like the hype around Wisconsin. We start seeing them sort of build to this. And then the year after, really, we should probably have this conversation about Wisconsin being a top tier team, not only in the Big Ten, but in college football. And yes, college football is going to look different starting next year. And we talked about that on Monday. But I, I do think like the time is not necessarily now. The time is next year. But that's not to say that they can't be good. Like if the Badgers don't get to eight and a half wins, right? If, they, if they're they seven and five, that is a massive disappointment for Luke Fickle. And now, yeah, guys get hurt, like whatever, right? Like that, you know, that that's one thing. And you can't control injuries. But if they fall flat on their face, that is to me like, uh, it's a huge indictment on Fickle. Was he just, you know, playing you know, guys in in an AAC that's not very good and sort of he's more smoke and mirrors than we thought. Um, the Phil Longo approach, is that just, it's a one and done thing. And we, you know, the Badgers go back to sort of a, you know, ground and pound game. Uh, is the transfer portal, you know, in, in flux? Could they never have meshed? The team chemistry didn't work. Like to me, they need to win eight games. Like, I think that is the, the mark, right? And I realize that's under technically eight and a half. But as long as they win eight games, I think, like, I think it's a, it's a good season. I think it's a good season. Things to work on, right? I think if you could beat Ohio State and win eight games, and I, I think that, that the math wouldn't work on that because there are a lot of winnable games for Wisconsin. But if you do beat Ohio State this year, that's a huge, like, seminal moment that sort of is a launch launch pad. And they, they know that, and apparently it's going to be a primetime game. I don't think NBC has released that, and it's going to be Halloween weekend, and it's going to be an absolute madhouse in Madison. And so there is going to be, I think, a real chance that Wisconsin can win that football game. 
Uh, I, I do think the table is set for the Badgers to win that. Um, and we'll see. I mean, to me, that's the hardest part of that schedule because they go Iowa at home, Illinois on the road, then back home for Ohio State. That is a really tough three-game stretch for Wisconsin. That is definitely a body blow theory, too, if you're old solid verbal listeners, where by the time Wisconsin gets to Ohio State, they're already going to be you know, kind of through the ringer a little bit with the game against Iowa and the game against Illinois. So maybe that's you know more in that expectations conversation. Maybe we need to have some realistic talk about the Badgers in Ohio State where they're going to come into that game kind of ragged a little bit. And it, and it will take a lot. And I think if you can go two and one in that stretch, I also think like the Illinois game weirdly matters. You know, Paul Chris gets fired after that Illinois game uh, last year and just an utter embarrassment what Illinois did to Wisconsin last year at home. To me, that's one that I, I think the Badgers want. Like, and we're going to talk kind of do like a schedule draft or something uh, later this this month. But I, I look at that Illinois game as a, as a big one to me. Like that, those two Illinois and Ohio State stand out uh, over the uh, over really the rest of the schedule. I, I mean, I was always a rivalry in Minnesota. Minnesota one also I think is weirdly important because the Gophers have had the Badgers number. It's in Minneapolis. End of the year. I, I do think that there that one also carries some weight. And so I think if you can be you know anywhere from eight to t- ten wins. You have, you know, some of those temple victories, whether it's beating Minnesota and Illinois, whether it's beating Ohio State. Uh, I think beating Iowa is a big deal. Like, if you can get some of those those wins, you know, that this first year for Luke Fickle, it should be seen as a success. And I really think the there are ways that this goes off the rails. Every football season, every really frankly, every sports season can go off the rails, right? We talked about Marquette earlier and the the expectations, right? What if they they go unranked, they make the tournament as an eight seed. Like that's a massive disappointment for Marquette's season. But everybody's expectations are different. And I think what I'm trying to do with this topic is just explain to people, you gotta keep it in line. And you gotta look at, okay, eight and a half wins. Michigan and Ohio, Michigan and Ohio State have 10 and a half. You can't necessarily expect that it's going to be this playoff, it's going to be national championship year one. Can you expect that in year two? Maybe. Can you expect that in year three? Definitely, you should, right? By year three, and I think the playoffs at that point are, is, are, will be expanded, but at that point, you can start saying, all right, this team's fucking legit. Now, they got to play Alabama next year, and I don't know how things will change with the schedule we talked about on Monday, but like that, that should be the, those should be the moments. And so we'll see if, we'll see if that's the case. And I'm, I'm getting more excited uh, for college football, uh, I think with all the realignment talk, I kind of was more on the NFL side, which is weird for me. I usually It's usually college football first, NFL second, and I've been more on that NFL. Maybe it's also the Jordan Love part of it. But yeah, we're starting to starting to get into gear uh, and excited to continue to talk about uh, Badger football. It's always weird. I, I've, I say this every year. We'll probably do something last week of August on it. But it's always weird for me because... You know, Marquette is more my calling card in terms of college sports. Uh, I like Badger football. I I wouldn't say that it's passionate in the same way for the other one. So it makes me feel weird doing the reviews for Badger football because 
I, I just don't necessarily like it doesn't break my heart if Wisconsin loses on a Saturday. And so I, I, that's it's always something I struggle with. Um, but and I would love like feedback on that. If you feel like it's like you shouldn't do reviews because, you know, you're not that's not who you are or do something a little different because I certainly could. Uh, we've seen some success on some different different things, but that's more inside baseball than you need. Uh, we shall move on to the Bucks news. We have Bucks news in the middle of August. Let's talk about that. Early this morning, shout out to me and my brain for podcasting this morning instead of last night. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo announced that he will not be playing for Greece in the FIFA World Cup, that he still needs time to recover uh, his knee. I personally think that this is a great move for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo is finally getting a summer off from competitive basketball. Giannis has played a lot for Greece. Giannis is saying that he's going to take some time to help to recover and be the best player that he wants to be for October for the Milwaukee Bucks season. I think that this is a tremendous move by Antetokounmpo. I know that there are people in Greece who are likely pretty sad today that Giannis isn't playing and maybe upset. Uh, Greeks can take things a little personal <laughs> uh, at times. So I, I, I hope they are not taking this too personal. I hope that they are you know understanding that this is more about Giannis load managing for the season and making sure that he is absolutely right to start the year. And it's been something that I think a lot of Bucks fans have said forever that Giannis just needs a summer off. And Giannis will be probably at the peak of his powers starting next year. If you think about the fact that he hasn't played since April, right? They got eliminated very early or like early May, whatever it may be. And he will not play till October. That is probably the longest stretch in mid-October, that is. That will probably be the longest stretch that Giannis Antetokounmpo has not played competitive basketball for a very long time, about six months. And to me, that is, that's a huge, huge thing for the Bucs going forward and a, and a way for the Bucs to start quick next year. And it, starting quick, I don't know how much matters in the NBA, right? And, I, and there's going to be an adjustment period with Adrian Griffin, but it'll at least make... Giannis ready for the season and not necessarily feel worn out, not feeling like he needs to load manage early in the year. And he should be, you know, fully back to what we expect out of Antetokounmpo. Uh, and that to me is a huge thing for Milwaukee going forward, especially as they try to get redemption from what happened last year. And there's nothing to say that this Bucks team can't be the number one seed again in, in the East. Now, I know it's a new coach and what we just talked about with Luke Fickle, like there, there is that sort of wait and see approach, but the Bucs could be that good next year. And they, and Giannis, in fact, having that all that time off makes him more successful and makes him more ready for the regular season. And he talks about wanting to play in the Olympics. And I, I do think that matters and qualifying for the Olympics. And so this is, seems to be a one-year thing. And I don't know if this is, the Bucks and Giannis talking about it, if it's everybody sort of agreeing to it and saying like, hey, look, you could play, but we might have the same conversations about your knee. Now, I, I do want to talk about the knee portion of this because I, I did see one Bucks fan say, well, Bucks Twitter freaking out 
about the knee injury and that it's way worse than than it could be. And I think there will be some national spin to that. Uh, I will imagine our friend Uncle Bill Simmons will have a commentary on, oh, Giannis's knee. Oh, is this a concern? He loves his country. Why is he not playing for his country? The real ones know that this is something that, you know, Giannis goes so fucking hard. Giannis does not take these games like exhibitions. Giannis, you know, goes all in on this shit. And so for Giannis to put his, you know, time and effort in the next, you know, month, month and a half is is going to impact the season. So hopefully people realize that I don't think it has anything to do with the knee injury. Like, I, I think the knee injury is critical, but I, I don't think it's like panic. I don't think we should worry that his knee is fucked, right? Uh, I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is understanding that he's getting older, understanding that you need to do different things and you can't do everything that you've done in the past. And and, and like, look, that's, that's, that's everyone in a nutshell. I know Giannis is the best basketball player in the world, right? But think about you. Think about the person you are, right? Like for me personally, I'm going to be 35 in a couple days here. Uh, and I have to stretch before every treadmill run. Like I have to, like, I'll get done with the lift or like my one, like one round of circuits. And I have a lift. I have a stretching routine. As much as I have a lifting routine, I have a stretching routine and I stretch after, before every run. Because why? I popped it. I, well, I didn't pop it. I, I strained a hamstring, uh, back, I think in, was it 2020 or 2021? I think it was, uh, yeah, it was 2021. I, I was at the treadmill. It was like our first day of holiday for work. I was like, all right, got to get the mind right. Got to get everything set. And immediately just destroyed my left hamstring. And it, it was an injury that I really had for a while. And, and I had to I had to adjust. And I realized this is just a, you know, a, a semi-athletic uh, podcaster uh, in Wisconsin versus Giannis Antetokounmpo, an athletic freak. But the point I'm trying to make is that we all have to change how our body works as we get older. And yes, Giannis still is in the prime of his career. I know there was that ridiculous guy who said, oh, Giannis has already passed his prime, which is ridiculous to say you know, about anyone, really. Because uh, like, 28 is like premier peak athlete, you know, in terms of the NBA, NFL. And NFL, you're starting to, some, some, uh, positions in the NFL, you're starting to kind of fade a bit, but still like 28 is, I mean, that's perfect. And so Antetokounmpo is just adjusting his body. So uh, I don't necessarily look at his knee being a problem uh, to start the year. I think that Antetokounmpo is just making sure that he has the utmost rest and gets ready for the season. And I think the Bucks, you know, the goal is the championship. And Antetokounmpo knows that if they're playing for a title, he needs that knee to be fully healthy and operating from October to June. And that's a long time. That's not, that's not like, like that is a large stretch of time. So kudos to Antetokounmpo for prioritizing his health. I, I know that couldn't have been easy. Um, hopefully there's no friction, uh, between the Bucks and Antetokounmpo about that. That's another story I could easily see that Giannis is furious at the Bucks medical staff for not letting him play for Greece. Um, and, it, and look, if, if that stuff happens, he's an emotional cat. All right. Like it's, it's okay. 
Like I don't. I think there though there's always going to be a lot of smoke about getting Giannis out of Milwaukee, and it's going to be a huge topic this year. It's going to be really fucking annoying. We're going to go back to what it was 2019. I saw uh, Chris Lemp's shout out uh, had a thing about the Bucks and Knicks, which we're going to talk about here in a second. That like oh that gives ESPN and ABC you know two and a half hours to talk about Giannis to New York, just shameless. Uh, which I, I appreciate. The the small market frustration from Chris. I don't think that's the case. I think it's getting the bucks on prime time or getting the bucks on Christmas, which which matters. And we'll uh, we'll talk about that now. The bucks found that find themselves on Christmas yet again. Uh, they are playing the New York Knicks to kick off the day. You have the Sixers and the Heat after that. You have Celtics and Lakers. You then have uh, Mavericks and Suns, and then you have Warriors and Nuggets. And that is your day. Uh, the Knicks have been the early game. I don't think they'll flip that and put the Heat and Sixers early. Maybe they would, and the Bucks play at one o'clock. Uh, I think the Bucks and Knicks is maybe a little more prominent than what you have with Sixers and Heat. That's just me. I understand that you have the Jimmy Butler versus Philadelphia angle. Dame Lillard could come to to Miami. Like that's maybe what they're banking on. That Dame Lillard is going to be a member of the Heat. And that there's going to be more excitement and more hype around that Miami team. So that's why Miami gets that like one o'clock, you know, Christmas Day slot or 1.30, I think it ends up being. Uh, who knows? Uh, but I, I, I do look at this and first of all, yeah, the Bucs are on Christmas. No brainer with Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think as long as Giannis is playing for the Bucs, the Bucs are going to be on Christmas Day. Uh, because he is one of the top jersey shot sellers in the NBA. I think that matters in terms of prominence and popularity, especially as you're going up against the NFL. Uh, and the NFL will have three games uh, as well, and they're blowing that Christmas thing out. You know, each network has their own game, uh, which is crazy. And I don't necessarily, I'd have to remember the games because Packers aren't playing. So we just have the box. I think it's Eagles, Giants. So you you do have the Philly the Philly Heat sort of matchup there. I think is it Raiders Chiefs and then and which will have no impact on basketball. So you have Celtics Lakers going up against Raiders Chiefs. I think most people are watching Celtics Lakers, right? Like to me that is that is much more of a a bigger game. But I have to double check if it's and I know at the game the night game is Ravens Niners. So by basically the end of Ravens Niners, you're starting Warriors Nuggets, which again. There's a there is a little bit of overlap, but not necessarily the overlap that you know is like mission critical. Where you're like, oh my god, like I think last year was it last year that the Bucks and yeah the Bucks and the Packers were kind of right over each other. No, so the game was later in the day. That's right. Uh, so let's look here. So Christmas Day, it is Raiders Chiefs, but that's the early game. Okay, so Raiders Chiefs is your early game. Eagles, Giants, so that's so then you have the Sixers and you go right into that. So that's pretty cool for you know Sixers, Eagles fans. I hate I hate Philadelphia, but the fact you get Christmas and you start with Sixers and Heat and then you go into Giants, Eagles is pretty pretty exciting. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's the, the NBA definitely did a good job with that. I do wonder from a Bucks perspective if like this is kind of a signal that they're going to get less primetime games that there's going to be less of a focus on the Bucs after sort of their postseason struggles and that they will, you know, feature them less than they did last year. Like they, the Bucs were on a lot of prime time. They, especially down the stretch last year. Uh, and I just wonder, are they going to be 
not necessarily the bells of the ball as much this year. Is there going to be more focus on the Lakers now that, you know, LeBron and them look more competent than they really ever have? And so is there going to be more attention there? Is there Boston always gets a lot of hype. You'll have a ton of Suns games um, on national television with Durant and Beal and, and Booker. Mavericks will get a solid amount with Luka and Kyrie. Uh, I, I think that the Sixers will, you know, have some... Depends on the hardened part of that, right? Uh, I think, you know, I wonder if they're holding the schedule back a little bit because they don't know, you know, what's going to happen with Lillard, what's going to happen with Harder, Hard, Harden. I wonder if that affects the schedule. I've always told, thought the NBA should be more flex and more, you know, lenient with that uh, because it just makes sense. Um, but I, I don't know why it's hard for other teams besides, or other uh, sports besides football to do flexing. Like you look at baseball, right? And you have Mets, Braves uh, as your Sunday night game. And then the Sunday night product is not what it used to be. And, you know, people talk about that all the time. But is really Bra- Braves-Mets the uh, the game of the weekend? Like, if you look at, like, other things, like Rangers-Giants, right? Uh, which, I, mean, I I understand that there might not be a ton of attention towards Rangers-Giants. But you have a 68-win team against a 62-win team. To me, that feels a little little bit bigger even like Yankees Marlins feels a bit bigger uh Blue Jays Cubs uh you know just the Mets are so lowly and bad it's like do you really is that really the game game that you want now TBS I think does a better job of they kind of select games like two weeks in advance so I think that they they do a much better job in terms of getting you know sort of those prominent games on TBS and so credit to them but yeah it just it's a it's something that annoys me and something that basketball could easily do it's just like you just pick it pick games every two weeks and just be like all right we're gonna change this game we're gonna you know we're gonna get away from that um and I also would like to see every team featured on ESPN or TNT once right I think is that like unreasonable to ask I, I feel like that's something that in the new media deal I wonder if you know, teams are going to ask for that. I think that just helps build popularity because who knows? Kid watches Cade Cunningham's like, fucking love this kid. And I want to, I want to cheer for this guy. I want his jersey. Uh, you know, I've just become a super fan. And I don't know, that's just personal, personal pontification here on uh, media and scheduling. You know, you know, I get nerdy with that. All right, let's wrap up today and talk about the Green Bay Packers as they get ready for the Cincinnati Bills. Maybe a little bruise at the end too. The Green Bay Packers embark on their first preseason game tonight against the Cincinnati Bengals. The reason for it being at the end of the show because it's going to go up at you know 9.15 or something. So uh, assuming a lot of you will listen after the game is over, which is okay. Uh, but the, the Packers, you know, this is a, a big game. And we talked about that yesterday. And you can go back and listen to Happy Cat if you didn't about why preseason matters for Green Bay and why it's important. And I do think, you know, Jordan Love, you know, looking the part would be nice. Now, again, does Green Bay need to light up the scoreboard and be like, all right, you know, book our tickets to Vegas for the Super Bowl? No. It just... It just can't look kind of like C.J. Stroud. And I know C.J. Stroud's a rookie. Love, yes, this is his first time as QB1, but he has played in preseason games before. He has been the guy first out of the tunnel for the Packers in preseason games. This should not necessarily be new to him. I would understand if there are some nerves. I would understand if, you know, he's a little bit like on edge about all of this because this is, yeah, it, it, it's your show. The keys are in your hand. 
I don't know how much of Jordan Love we're going to see. I would imagine a quarter. Uh, I, I feel like there will be a progression, right, where it's a quarter this week. Patriots, you're playing a very good defense in New England, and I think there there's a lot of a lot of reasons for that to be a a full 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 half. And then we'll see on Seattle, right? Because you're two weeks out of the season. Do you scale it back to that quarter? I'm unsure, you know, kind of what Matt LaFar is thinking. And Matt LaFar, being the paranoid guy that he is, he's not going to tell us until basically kickoff. Like, we'll find out through Larry McCarron, like, what Jordan Love is going to do, who's going to play, who's not going to play. They ought to obviously submit the inactives, I think, 90 minutes before the game. So probably 4.30, we'll know, like, yeah, who's playing. And we and some of them are obvious, right? We know David Bakhtiari playing. We know Jerry Alexander's probably not playing. We know Kenny Clark's not playing. We know Preston Smith isn't playing. Aaron Jones might not play. And so I I, I think that we'll, we'll at least get a idea of some of the guys. And, and there will be guys we'll get excited about. I, I think Malik Heath... It's health or Heath, I'm not sure, but still, I, I think that there he'll he will get a lot of attention. I think the tight ends, Craft uh, and Musgrave, I think will get a lot of hype, a lot of buzz. Uh, you know, after this game, we're gonna talk about overreactions on Monday's show. I thought about doing a Saturday show, but I was like, I don't know how many of you are gonna tune in just to listen to me talk about preseason. Uh, I, I do wonder if it'll be a bit chippy. I did have one question. I didn't get any questions, basically. <laughs> it humbles your ass quick because I've been doing some interactive stuff on Instagram, tapping the keg sports, and I've been getting a lot of good answers. And, you know, shout out to, I think it was Adam and Doobie and who else? Is there somebody else? I saw, oh my God, Alex also submitted one. Uh, there are a few other people. I might be missing somebody. So I'm missing somebody. I apologize. But, you know, so that's been great. And so I was like, oh, questions for the pod. Like, we, you know, can build this out, make it a segment. Didn't get anything. Just got one uh, from my guy, Jordan, who asked if like the fight will, you know, means anything for preseason. You know, the training camp fight that Elton Jenkins and DJ Reader got into. I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, I mean, maybe it's a little chippier uh, between the two teams uh, because they now, have, you know, there's some familiarity here. Uh, but I, I don't imagine it uh, being a, a brawl or anything. I don't know if DJ Reader even will play. I don't know if Elton Jenkins will play. So it might not carry over. Um, it wasn't that big of a fight. Uh, it wasn't one of those like Aaron Donald, you know, throwing a helmet at a guy or anything like that. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't hate it if Packers, you know, you know, do come in kind of with that chip on the shoulder, with that red ass, you know, in preseason of all things, right? I think that, you know, doing that in the regular season is important. But if you do that in the preseason, then it's like, wow, okay. Like this is, <laughs> again, this is a different vibe. This is a different sort of energy that, that Green Bay is putting out. But yeah, to, to go back, like I, I do think like, this it's important for the offense to look competent. Uh, yeah, the the hype around you know a couple of these guys. I think Tyler Goodson's another guy who I think could get a lot of attention uh, in terms of offense. And I think there will be a lot of people saying, "Oh wow, like they have they might have a third running back, they might have a third guy to really you know make plays." Uh, that would not surprise me. Defensively, I I do think that we need to see something out of this defense, uh, and it's also important to not get too excited. Uh, defense is always out of the offense, as Mitch noted uh, yesterday. Uh, and also, too, it's Trevor Simeon and Jake Browning, right? Like, those, I mean, th- th- that's, not, that's not necessarily the creme de la creme. Uh, and if Trevor, Trevor Simeon tears you up, that's a problem. 
that's that is a real issue for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and I I do not necessarily feel good about that. If Trevor Simeon's out there slanging it in the first and second quarter, uh, that that's a that's a little that's a that's a minor red flag because it's like all right, man. If it's Burrow out there, it's you get it right. Uh, but if it's Simeon, even with like half the guys playing, I I, I can't accept that. I, I would not be I would not be pleased uh, with that. So hopefully Trevor Simeon does not light it up uh, with the guys uh, because that would be unfortunate. Uh, I, I, I would not would not enjoy that uh, at all. And it should be a good defensive effort from the Green Bay Packers. And this it, that to me is. It's not even like an assumption. Yeah, it's an assumption that Green Bay Green Bay's defense comes with it, and they play really well in this game, and they they should. So I I think in terms of like expectations, that which is the the word of the podcast, kind of like Pee Wee Herman R.I.P. You know how you'd have the word of the day today. It's expectations. It, expectations for you know the first preseason game is pretty simple. Uh, it is Jordan Love looking the part. It's some of the guys that we've been excited about in training camp show through, whether it's Devontae Wyatt, whether it's Musgrave, whether it's Tyler Goodson, whether it's Heath. I should look up if it's Heath or Health. I feel bad that I'm butchering his name. It's Heath. Sorry. So Malik Heath, right? Does someone else break out? Like Sean Clifford's another guy, right? Do we see something from Sean Clifford that we, that we really like? You know, does, you know, do we have an idea of who's going to take that free safety role by by the balls. You know, the battle for that dime cornerback position, I think is another one to watch, right? Is it going to be Carrington Valentine, the seventh round pick? Or is it going to be Shamar Jean Charles, who seems like he's on kind of the bubble right now. Uh, and Shamar Jean Charles did play a decent amount for the Packers last year. And it, he has not had a good camp so far. Uh, I also think the kicking game is a huge, huge thing to watch, right? How is Andrews Carlson going to do? This is not exactly an easy stadium for field goals. Remember Mason Crosby really struggled here in that wild, uh, was that 2021? Yeah, it's a wild 2021 game uh, that the Packers and Bengals had uh, in in this stadium. So can Carlson, you know, be all right in that first game? And I, I think those are the kind of the things that A, to watch, but also to expect and see see what happens. And if they don't, you know, yeah, we're gonna, we're definitely gonna talk about it. Uh, and hopefully everybody stays healthy. Like that's the, that's the number one thing. Uh, and you're playing on turf. Uh, that's always that always gives you a little bit of trepidation. Uh, hopefully, you know, and maybe that's also a reason why might, we might not see as many guys, and maybe see more, you know, next week when you get get back to Lambeau Field uh, against the Patriots. So yeah, we'll definitely uh, talk about it on Monday's show. Um, I don't know if we'll we'll lead with it. We'll see. Uh, I would say more likely than not, uh, we'll start fresh with some preseason overreactions. Real quick on the Brewers, you know, they play the, the White Sox, who are the suddenly hot uh, White Sox. They won a series against the New York Yankees. Uh, the Brewers are two and a half games above the Cubs and the Reds. They're high watermark for the NL Central, which is, is wild to think about. Uh, the Brewers and White Sox, as we talked about on yesterday's pod, a former rivalry, uh, really is set up nicely for the Brewers this, this weekend. It seems like the rain, at least up here, is going to clear uh, on on Friday. Hopefully the same in Chicago. I have not looked, uh, but that could be a factor if you're going down to the game. Uh, just be aware. So you have Corbin Burns tonight uh, trying to keep up his hot second half against Michael Kopich. 
Michael Kopech's issues have been walks. Now, he's kind of figured it out and kind of been okay, but the guy has walked four or more batters in the last five, five of the last, or four of the last five starts for Kopech. He's at least walked four batters, which is not good. Not, not what you want at all. And if we expand it out, it's five of six, like, what is it, five of six, six of eight. Six of eight starts, he's walked four more batters. That's, whew, boy, that is definitely asking for trouble. The Brewers do take a decent amount of walks and the patience of guys like Yelich and Freelich will should help here. And I do think that that, you know, works in the Brewers' favor. You know, he is a flamethrower. He can't strike guys out. But this that, this sets up nicely, you know, for Corbin Burns and, and the team. Uh, Luis Robert also left the game, uh, I think it was on, what was that, Wednesday, with an injury. So, you know, we'll see if Robert is in the starting lineup. Uh, that would obviously be a major dent to what the White Sox are doing offensively. But yeah, Burns Burns should have the advantage, you know, against Kopich uh, here on Friday will hopefully be the case. They're minus 170. That's a pretty good number uh, for Burns on the road. Then on Saturday, uh, Fox game, you have a bullpen game for the White Sox against Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff trying to emulate, you know, the success of Sunday, hopefully, you know, no mistakes, right? He had two mistakes in that game. Costabers, hopefully, you know, Woodruff gets more run support out of his guys. Uh, but, and the Brewers have played well on Fox this year. Uh, they think are undefeated. Uh, and they've, they've had a ton of offense. Sal's been great on Fox games. Primetime Sal, as some are calling him. And then they wrap up the series to see if Freddie Peralta can kind of emulate the success that he's had the last three games against Dylan Cease. And Dylan Cease, the ace of the White Sox, Cease, had a note. He actually he gave a one hit, but walked seven guys against the New York Yankees uh, on Monday. Cease is tough, man. Uh, so we'll see, you know, what Cease you're gonna get. But yeah, Cease and Kopech, you're facing two of the best for the White Sox, but you're also facing the Brewers' three best. So definitely a series for them to take advantage of, given what's what's ahead uh, with the Dodgers and the Rangers upcoming the following weekend. So it's really important that the Brewers sort of set the tone. Uh, this weekend, and let's let's hope that they do. Uh, so we'll we'll see, and we'll certainly talk about that on Monday. Uh, we'll talk about Packers and anything else that comes across the wire. Uh, we'll we'll just have to see. All right, take care of yourself. Have a great weekend. Stay safe, and uh, we'll be back on Monday. All right, we'll see you guys then. Take care. Bye.